everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 60, Transfer Market special episode. We got the whole crew here today. Martino Puccio, obviously, here speaking. We got Pepperisha, Matt Santangelo. They're both back from whatever the hell happened to the both of you the past couple of weeks. Um, you basically alternated uh, spots. Um, so how are the both of you both feeling better? Everyone ready to go and, um, season's ready to get started now because this is when I feel like everything is, is ready to go. The second the transfer market closes, because we're always like skeptical of, um, how we, how we have outlooks for teams, but, uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. Well, how about you guys? Raring, I think to go, I mean, Milan of Arsenal have both started quite well, which is probably why me and Matt have come out the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have. I was talking to my buddy too. It's like in a strange way, I do love the market because obviously it brings new faces and new hope and new expectations. But I'm just excited for the focus to be on the football itself on the yep. pitch. Of course, we got international break, but lots to talk about regarding the previous market. So um, I'm ready when you guys are. Yeah, um, it's definitely um, a jam-packed window. It's obviously something that we've never seen in our lifetimes. Um, obviously, so accustomed to seeing clubs making purchases, you know, outside of that uh, window um, in in recent years um, prior to you know the July opening, and then we get all of July and August where there's so much drama. A lot of teams love to buy early in the window, and then there's a lot of teams that like to make last-second moves. That didn't happen whatsoever. We started beginning of September. We just ended yesterday, October 5th. Um, there really wasn't anything that we saw that that caught our eyes in terms of major moves that break, you know, transfer market records. We, we saw some were broken for some, some clubs that were in healthier financial positions. We know a lot of clubs and in, in general leagues, you know, they have so, so many financial issues due to the COVID and, you know, uh, there aren't a lot of teams, you know, being able to fill up stadiums, this and that. I mean, there's so many factors going on. But at the end of the day, I think teams did find a way to make moves to improve their clubs at the end of the day. And that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about throughout the top five leagues. And, Pet, let's get started with Ligun. We're going to start by going with our best and worst teams that um, had the best and worst transfer markets in this. I think Ligoon was probably one of the easier ones to just point in and look at, say, okay, that team had an underwhelming market. This team had a, had a, you know, a very nice uh, adjustment considering everything that they were looking at. So how about we'll go with the worst transfer market, in your opinion, in Ligoon? Um, I think you'd have to look at Lyon, Marseille, and PSG. I mean, like, what what can you say about um, Lyon in particular? You know, with uh, Aulas at the helm, um, crazily, frantically talking about this player and this player. Um, I, you just look at the approach that they have, right? And Lyon sell a, a big-time player pretty much every summer. And this summer, it looked like they needed to do so more than ever because of missing out of Champions League football. So you had the likes mm. of Depay, Dembele, Awar. Um, Jeff Rene Adelaide and so on and so forth all be targeted uh, in the end you know um, they've loaned out uh, Jeff Rene Adelaide and they've sold uh, Lucas Paqueta uh, still haven't sold the pie Awar. Um, they still have Dembele there as well so I, I don't know they also managed to sell Amin Guri for for six million pounds to uh, Nice who I think were one of the better buyers in this transfer market so i do find it interesting how like um you know they've obviously lost a good talent i think he had a year left on his contract uh i mean guri um but he started his life at nice really 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 well and you look at kind of like the lack of goals and creativity that leon have had and you look at his output so far and you're like well he kind of has a role there but but my, my thing is like you don't want to keep players that don't want to be kept Right. And if you've yep. got a guy like Memphis Depay, who has this history of kind of like off the pitch issues and you're getting offered 30 million euros by Barcelona or even lower, um, I think you've got to take it. Jeff Rene Adelaide, um, obviously it's, it's a loan deal to Nice. He didn't want to be there. You have to try and get money for him. Hussein Moir, I think, is, is a bit different. You know, he's come through the Leon Academy. Um, he's a Leon boy at heart. You know, he's captain 
quite regularly for the club. I think if he stays, he's going to respect the club that, that develops him. But even then, if there's a, an inkling in your mind that he doesn't want to stay, you've got to sell him for the, the sums that we were talking about, you know, 40 million, 50 million euros to Arsenal predominantly with the, the front runners. But you had Juventus, Barcelona interested as well. So I wonder if they, they dropped that... Um, uh, price a little bit that he would have gone but for me yeah Leon uh, Marseille of course did not make too many moves um, I, I, you know it was always more of a selling job there um, and then I, I look at PSG you know uh, it's been a weird transfer market Ooh. for the last 12 months right you know um, uh, getting rid of Munir uh, free transfer right back um, uh, buying their option uh, yeah losing Kwasi again uh, losing Adil Ashish again another two really really highly rated youngsters um, to other clubs that are going to develop them and this isn't like you know Yao Kwasi left to uh, go to Dortmund no. or yeah. to Frankfurt he went to Bayern Munich right mm. like he went to a, a club that is on the caliber of Paris Saint-Germain and he's like well I might still not get minutes, but I'm happier being there because I, I see a development curve. And for one reason or another, PSG just can't um, convince these youngsters to say. And when you, when you see guys like Moussa Diaby and Christopher Nkunku, um, Odson Edouard, Moussa Dembele, all going and having amazing careers, well, amazing com- careers relative to where they're age and, and where they're at right now, then do you blame him? Do you blame Adil Ashish? I don't know. But then, you know, the last 12 months we look back at taking the option out of Mario Cardi. I'm not sure about that. Still not really too many rumors about Mbappe and, and Neymar signing new contracts. So for me, yeah, the biggest losers, personally speaking, Leon Marseille and PSG. Uh, biggest winners for me were Nice. Um, I think they made a few good moves. I, I don't know, you know, as much as I love Patrick Vieira, I don't know if he's the right manager for them. But um, when you bring in guys like like Guri, uh, Jeff on on loan as well, um, they've also got Ronnie Lopez there, who I, I kind of rate highly, and I think he can get his career back on track. Um, they lost Malang Sar on on loan, but he's uh, on on a free, but he doesn't go to to France uh, to to uh, Chelsea rather until next summer, I believe. So all in all, a, a decent window for them. Um, don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on that? I mean, Leo as well, maybe selling Osimhen for a huge huge fee in this market was a good was a good I, sale i feel like we should just trust them because of everything they've been doing the past <laughs> few years you know what i mean just like a yeah. blind trust just whatever kind of like atalanta of france just whatever move they're making or whatever <laughs> purchase ocampos is going with you're like okay yeah. i trust you and jonathan david is one of those higher rated players even though mm. you mentioned prior uh to going on air here that he was a little um you know off to a rough start but i mean that's that's all well and fine if, um, you know, we just give them time. But on paper, I think it was a great move. And, you know, it, it was a tough situation for some of these teams, but I think PSG was just an absolute disaster. Everything that you can imagine a, a club coming off of, you know, losing a Champions League final, just all the players that they lost, all the players that they failed to add to the team as well. I mean, we, we thought it was in the bag. How many episodes ago that they were going to get Alex Tellis? And then he goes off to Manchester United. That's not an addition that they make. I mean, their center backs are wonky. I mean, you let Thiago Silva leave. That's one thing I get it at his age and wages. But at the same time, there wasn't even remotely close to an adequate replacement. Um, And then you kind of just – you're relying heavily on a certain few players. And a couple of your best players um, are injury prone in Verratti and and Neymar. And – at that point, you're just looking at yourself. There's a lot of risk involved with this. When you have a lot of risk involved, it's not great when you spend the money that they do because then it's just creating this environment where you mentioned the young players aren't wanting to stay. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's going to be hard to recruit big-time talents because if you're going to be losing an Mbappe eventually, which I think almost everyone in here thinks that's going to happen, I don't know. This could it, – it could get scary. And at the end of the day, they have the money. So they're going to be able to attract talents that'll want to go there eventually because, look, that at the end of the day, it's real life. Players are going to want to get paid. They have families to support, go back home and all that stuff. But in terms of just an infrastructure of a club, it's night and day difference between a Bayern Munich and a player that they lost. But, Matt, I want, I want to go to you in this. Um, who, who do you really think made some, some primetime moves before we move on? 
to other leagues? I think, you know, Pep did a really good job of, of breaking down who the winners and losers were. I, I think, I mean, with, with PSG is, I think they're the biggest focus, right? Because they're a club that's always kind of on the precipice of being like the next team. Okay, can they, can they get over the hump and they, can they get in, in a position where they can finally win the Champions League? And, you know, obviously a team that made it to the final last year, you think and expect them to do a little bit more. But I'm just looking at the list of arrivals they had, and they really didn't splash the cash um, as often as they do, right? They obviously lost Thiago Silva, Edison Cavani, two of the bigger guys there who've been there for a better part of their, their dynasty, if you will, uh, in France. But, you know, Alessandro Florenzi comes in on loan. Uh, Rafinha, who's uh, battled injuries for the most part of his career, at least in recent years, he comes in. They get Moise Kane on the front of pretty much a, a free loan. Um, so they made some moves. I don't think, if I'm looking at PSG squad, I'm thinking, well, they're they're much better than last year. No, I think they maybe added some pieces where they needed to, but I think there's definitely holes in there. And I just, I really question the the market they had. I expected probably a little bit more from them, although I, we understand the climate that we're dealing with right now, but for a team of their stature, with a team of their ambitions and what they're striving for, I just expected a little bit more uh, punch and a little bit more uh, purchase business to help move the needle a little bit forward to get them in a better position to um, take that next step. But that's, that's pretty much it. I'm not going to go too much into the, to the clubs that, um, you know, won, lost, because at the end of the day, it's all based on whether or not the players perform. And I think, you know, Marseille, uh, Lyon, and, you know, PSG specifically, I think they had some questionable business, but I think at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of, um, I guess, uh, I, I don't know how to really explain it, but this league tends to kind of invite new teams and teams to kind of step up and do something different mm. each year. So I think that's what it's going to be the biggest focus. And ultimately, whether or not PSG can be uh, challenged is probably going to be what people want to see. I mean, one more thing I forgot to mention, you know, uh, selling Gabriel to Arsenal. Um, it, it looks, you know, like decent money they got in for a player who who wanted to leave. Uh, that was Leo again, just mentioning them, you know, mm. 25 million pounds, 30 million euros. Um, that basically covered the Jonathan David signing. They also uh, got Isaac Lidesh, uh, from uh, Marseille on a, I think, kind of like a free, but they had to pay compensation because he came through their young, uh, uh, their youth ranks. Really, really highly rated. Um, that was a big loss for Marseille. I know a couple of guys uh, who listen to the podcast that have been on before. Mo, uh, you know, really rated him highly um, from what I can see him tweeting. So mm. it doesn't look like the, the best move from them there. But I guess we'll move on to the next uh, league in La Liga. Um, who also, there wasn't too much business there either. Um, I, I guess, for example, for starters, we start with um, Barcelona doing a lot of their business quite early on. If we think about uh, Pjanic, etc., and balancing the books, who, who are your uh, biggest winners and losers here, Martina? Um, for me, if we're going to go biggest losers, I think Valencia. And I, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is really just at a default. Surprise, surprise. Um, this is this isn't even like a transfer market policy for them. This is a club that is is crashing and burning right before our eyes. I mean, I think that's it's it's truly bizarre how you see some of some of these things happening. Um, uh, I forget the player that it was because it just happened so long ago, and every day feels the same <laughs> during during COVID. But I remember there was a press conference happening, right? And this is obviously this isn't just strictly with the transfer policy thing, but it affects everything, right? Because it goes from the top down when you talk about clubs in peril. But there was a discussion about how this player's son, they were on this press conference and he was trying to explain to him that he had to go play for another club. And it was just Valencia, just, you know, it's a, it's a proud club, right? It's just not one of those clubs that's just, you know, just a footnote sometimes in the league. Oh yeah. Like I remember when a certain player to play there, this is a champions league uh, a team from time to time. Um, They've beaten Barcelona Copa del Rey final not too long ago, right? So this is obviously a competitive team. But when you're selling some of your top players for 6 million euros in today's football, it's really concerning. And you see all the drama with Peter Lim um, as well. And this this guy is just, first of all, what a character. Second of all, probably the most toxic owner in that league to date. And that's saying something, considering all the drama we've seen this summer. But for me, when you're, it's one thing to lose players and sell players, but when you're selling them for pennies on the dollar and your team's getting substantially worse and you're not really getting a message or reasoning from the club itself, 
that's that's concerning, and I feel really badly for some Valencia fans because I've gotten to know some of them on on football Twitter, and I, I don't I don't know how it gets better. I think it's going to get a lot worse for them before it gets better. At this point, you just got to hope some owner comes in and swoops in and saves them because at this point, it's just it's going to get worse. And you know what, selling selling guys like that, and it's not even like they could just use some of the money that they recruit from these sales to get better players and improve. So for me, yeah. they're by far the biggest loser outside of Barca face value as to what their image has looked like. And if that report is true, what was it? How many, how many euros of debt was it? Was it 820 million? Was that the number? Uh, Barcelona. Yeah. 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 That speaks for itself, but yeah, but Valencia, there you go. So I don't know what thoughts you have. I mean, I also question the, the fee that they sold Ferran Torres for. I mean, was it 27 million pounds or something like that? I thought it was, it was 27 less. million euros. It was 20 yeah. million pounds. So around so 25 million. million euros. But like they sold Rodrigo, who's nine years older and probably worse a player for 7 million more than that. Um, or 10 million more City. than that. To City, right? Like you've got to rinse them. <laughs> like you, you've got to, t- like if you're, if you've got a player like Ferran Torres, who, I mean, you, you can imagine Peter Lynn and then the management sitting down and being like, okay, hey, who are our saleable assets, right? And you would have looked at Ferran Torres being number one because he is the guy that you'd be able to shop around. And to sell him for only £20 million, I know it's COVID, but when you've got um, Luis Campos and the boys selling Victor Osman for £65 million, you've got to turn around and look at a player of Ferran Torres's calibre and think you could have got more. Um I think that's another reason, right? If I look at kind of the players that they sold and how much they sold them for, five point eight million pounds for Francis Coquelin, otherwise after you signed them for from Arsenal for twelve million pounds two years earlier, letting Danny Parejo go on a free, who was your best player and captain. Um, it, it's the, the mind boggles really as to what they've done. Um, I mean, speaking of Danny Parejo and um, uh, and Francis Coquelin, a team that I think did really well are Villarreal, apart from having Unai Emery as manager, um, getting Kubo in and on alone, uh, Estupian from, from Watford on not that crazy a fee, uh, 15, 20 million euros, I think. And uh, Danny, uh, Danny Pereira on a free, as I mentioned, Francis Coquelin uh, for under six million pounds. Uh, and Juan Foyth on loan, the main kind of guys there um, that, that have uh, that they've come in. I think they look in a, in a really good spot here, Villarreal. I mean, apart from, as I mentioned, having Unai Emery as manager, um, they are in a, they're in a decent spot. They've also, um, you know, uh, they've also managed to sell guys like uh, Toko Akambi for decent amounts of money. Um, and I think they'll be, they'll be, they'll be all right in this league as a league. But Valencia, you know, if you're them after the summer that they have, you just want to kind of stay up. I know they've started all right in the league, but I think six, seven points um, after the first five games. But like, you've you got to look at, um, you got to look at like what they've done over the summer and it doesn't really signal an intent of very much ambition. Yeah. Um, so Matt, how about we'll talk about some of the big dogs in, in this Real Madrid to me in terms of, and Pet, you could obviously comment on this too. To me, Real Madrid's business this summer, it kind of seemed a little underwhelming in terms of sales. And I know it's difficult a lot of the time to sell off players when they make mm-hmm. the astronomical wages that they do, because there's only a handful of clubs out there that could truly, um, you know, afford these guys, right? Like a Luka Jovic, for example. We know the friction that's in there. It's well documented to see and hear all the friction coming from Real Madrid, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. seem like they try to keep things in-house with the Gareth Bales of the world and the Luka Jovic's. Um, so we, we've heard it from Florentino Perez. He said this. He even commented on this publicly. The financial situation there is not great. Whether or not that could just be a front because they ultimately want to save up for an Mbappe come next summer. But they, they dump Vale. Diaz like went on loan. There's, there's moves like that. Ceballos went back to Arsenal. For me, it kind of seemed underwhelming they're still the most talented and deep team in this league in my opinion but in terms of that did you did you think they could have done more or was there another club at the top that felt like they could have done more to improve their team or Um, kind of separate from the other top teams in this league 
I mean, the other thing is before Matt gets into it, like yeah. they made sales and they got. Right, that's what they, I was about to say. Yeah, they, they got they got their balance up. You know, Hamas, mm. who was on bit big wages. Uh, yes, Hamas is free. another one I forgot. Bale, Bale's gone. Uh, we don't really know what, how exactly that deal works, but you'd presume that he's lost. They've lost a lot of his wages off the bank balance sheet. Regulon, good fee. Hakimi, big fee. Oscar Rodriguez, not a big fee, but like, you know, I don't know how much money net they've netted out. But like, I think Matt, uh, Martino might be right in that, you know, is next season the season of Mbappe or uh, Sancho or someone like that? Uh, or a Haaland? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's I, I think, well, and then, by the way, Haaland, just before we get to Matt, isn't there a clause, I believe it's around 75 million euros? Is that what the rumor was that I saw? There's another like trigger there for him? Or maybe I'm just uh, wrong? Or I think I it starts in... January 2021 or 2022, but there's like gotcha. rumors that it's either. Um, but I'm not sure. Sorry, and Matt, they could always continue. renegotiate that. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think with Real Madrid, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head about what I was going to pretty much dive in on is the sales. I think they're really trying to uh, capitalize, or not capitalize, but util- uh, utilize this market specifically to better posi- position themselves to make a really big splash in next market. I mean, I like the, the fact that they're welcoming back. Odegaard, a more refined, more polished player. Um, he was fantastic at Sociedad with him and Isak. So I'm excited to see the impact that he can make. But as far as sales goes, I think like you look at it and you're like, how does a team like Real Madrid not find a way to keep Hakimi? Like Hakimi is one of the best at his position in football. But to your point, you know, the, the whole the financial position, it's, it's, it's telling of that. If a team like Real Madrid can't afford to keep him or, or pass up a fee like 44 million or 40 whatever million for 45 million whatever the total number um, comes out to be then that's that's saying something but you know shedding Hamas, getting rid of bail you know some of these players that just really have no future they even uh Mayoral going to roma on loan yeah. like you started to see them kind of really just kind of scale down kind of hone in on who their actual players that they want to build around and the guys they want to kind of keep at the center of this project moving forward they're still the favorite, they are still in a much better position than Barcelona are. I do like, um, in many ways, what Atletico Madrid did. They didn't splash too much. They obviously lost party, which we'll get into, I'm sure, with Pet here. Um, <laughs> but Luis Suarez, I think, still has plenty to offer a couple more years. They get him there. They also get Lucas Herrera, who I really do like. So Atletico no. did make some... Yeah, yeah, right. I like them. Shocker. Um, so I think overall, it's just kind of sticking with the theme of a lot of these clubs just who are notoriously big spenders and really active, uh, moving a little bit differently to ensure that they're not completely in a, such a bad position where yeah. it's going to be detrimental to what they want to do going forward. To be fair to someone like Atletico as well, you've got to look at how much they spent last summer, right? Oh, yeah. my God. Well, they yeah, did like- sell a lot, though. The Lucas yeah. Hernandez and and the Griezmann sales really, you know, helped a lot to what they did. I know Jao Felix sure. was an astronomical fee. There's so many, much money. There were, yeah, of course. But he looks great, by the way, to, to, yeah, to the reboot of, of mm-hmm. this. He looks physically stronger. But for me, some of these corresponding moves that, like, an Atletico make, how much of a leap did they truly make? Was it really more so It was more of a reshuffle, wasn't them? it? I, I think this helps them position them better to potentially win the league if anything i don't think this mm. makes them make a, lo- a larger jump in a champions league competition because you know what what's really going to help them at the end of the day with this is they they need the guys that they purchased last summer to make these leaps and qualities that help them right i think uh, luis suarez is kind of a cherry on the top kind of signing i don't think it's really uh a signing that's like okay now we're ready for this i think the moves that they made last summer are going to have to come to fruition now because it does take a little while to adjust to a Diego Simeone style, right? He's a very demanding coach. So, again, I, with, with Luis Suarez, with his injury history and his age now, I don't know how much they could really squeeze out of him, right? So, any other last comments? He's an upgrade. On, He's a much was, bigger upgrade over Morata, though. No, oh, man. And, and Diego Costa. You know? Diego and Costa, Diego, too. I mean, that's, that's the thing. He's, like, He's I, I like... I like even, like, even if you look at some of Luis Suarez's down years and then we'll move on, he was still, like, incredibly productive yeah. and is still among, <laughs> amongst some of the best strikers in, in football. So if he stays healthy, and I think he definitely still can, knowing the league, playing around mm-hmm. that crop of players, like, I think Suarez is going to be one of those players that gets, like, an extra second wind. Sure. I know he, leaving Barcelona, leaving Messi, probably hurt initially. But I think quickly we're going to start to see, I think that Suarez does have uh, – 
still plenty left in the tank and he can still produce the goods for them. If they get Jao Felix to be the player that they spent the money on this season, which we're already seeing that, yeah. then I think Atletico Madrid maybe are a dark horse to compete with Real Madrid so. more so than Barcelona. Who really absolutely. knows? But everything has to kind of align. Yeah, um, absolutely true. Pat, real quick, I just want you, you're good with uh, La Liga. Any last uh, comments? No, there? no last comments. Just good luck to Villarreal fans with uh, you know, Amory. <laughs> Okay, I thought there was going to be a Lucas Torreira now, but uh. no, no. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe one final comment. You know, on Atletico, with the personnel they've got, I expect them to play kind of four four two, the the Simeone four four two. I just wonder if Suarez has got the legs for that. Uh, long That's term. what I'm saying. He, he looked great, right? Like I think Martina, you mentioned it. He he looked great in that cameo when he came on. Was it two goals and an assist? Like amazing. But is he going to be running the channels? from this minute nine, uh, zero to 90 in this, condens- I don't know, it's hard. Real Madrid, I mean, I think they're gearing up for a big, big summer next season, so, you know, hey, um, hey, and you know what? There's there's real pressure on in Hazard now too, by the way. Yeah. And I, I, don't, I can't, we can't gloss over that because this, I, I truly think it's just something that's to an extent gone under the radar for the high profile player that he is. Yeah, and, and I mean, he hasn't scored a league goal in 365 days now. It's, it's, fucking pathetic so <laughs> um so, so bundesliga i think there's clear winners here again and I, and i said this and i think this was the best transfer move by far um leroy sane to bayern munich and i know we're talking about overall transfer market moves for for clubs i think bayern munich's a clear winner here so you win the the treble <laughs> that's the best possible outcome for, for a club that they could have. And they also ended up winning the super cup as, as well against Sevilla. For me, you lose a player like Tiago and it doesn't look like they skipped a beat. Their first their I mean, they had that crazy loss in the league, but starting off against Schalke, um, eight, nothing win. It looks like they didn't skip a beat. I think getting a Douglas Costa back there, a player that used to play there, yeah. really, really goes on into their pace. And he's not going to be a guy that's going to have to start for them. So if they're able to put him in these Pokal competitions, you know, play him against these lower league teams while they just have their Gnabrys of the world and Sané is ready for the Champions League nice. I think it's a great move. And, you know, Lucas Hernandez seems a lot more comfortable and – they could just plug in these guys anywhere, you know, whether they develop a Kuasi, who is a heavily sought after um, center back that we were obviously talking about earlier on this podcast. For me, it's just the rich get richer and they're not spending like the rich pet. They're really spending like, you know, didn't Lester spend more money than them in this window? <laughs> Cause Probably. Because I, I think so. And that's saying something. And mm. for me, Bayern is still the best team in the world at this point. And I know we could have talked about Liverpool, but after what we just saw this past weekend, you know, (laughs) you can't really, you know, say um, they're looking too hot. But for me, obvious winners for me, um, Bayern, Dortmund to an extent, we we highlighted that. And I think you made fantastic points on the Hakimi front. But for me, it was that. And, 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 And sort of really last point here before I let you guys go for the rest of this one. Dortmund's moves were for really a few years down the line. Although yeah. I would love for them to eventually just go for it. Eventually. I mean, they, they, to, to be fair though, Martino, they did buy uh, Hummels for 30 million euros last summer. And they bought Emre Chan recently. So I get it. I, I get your point. But then <laughs> yeah. I also think in that respect, they spend, they've spent for the here and now not amazingly. I don't think spending 30 million euros on Hummels is a good signing, right? Like, Listen, uh, if, if, if Bayern Munich is, is willing to sell a guy like Hummels to a Dortmund, I think that says something about yeah, what exactly. Bayern thinks about him. So yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, you know, Bayern Munich as well, the guy that will go under the radar is Mark Rocker, um, really highly mm-hmm. rated in Spain, 8 million mm-hmm. pounds. Absolutely. 11 million euros, whatever. Linked like, to Milan as well. Linked to Milan. He was linked to Arsenal last summer and last January. Like, if he went, last summer i actually think he would have gone for about 30 million euros like genuinely and i like clearly there was just no market for him this um this window and espanol buckled in the last minutes um and then obviously you know cheaper modding like getting him in <laughs> is massive like whoever his agent is can he be mine like 
how is he getting him these gigs? <laughs> That's the one that I didn't get, but I was like, well, hey, you know, Bayern can do what they want. Right? Bayern signs off on and they're like, we want this guy. Like, you don't ask questions. You're like, all right. Like, he must be on like, like they five probably, grand they know, a week They know something, something like we don't. Yeah. He must be on like such a small salary that it's like, oh, he's just another body. Yeah, but, his like, salary is so small. He's going to make most of his money from Instagram advertisements because of the following <laughs> he gains on that. It's true. It's true, man. Like you, if you get a lot of followers on that, like you could just post something like, hey, here's some <laughs> coconut water, $200,000. There you go. Go ahead, sorry. Oh man, I don't know if that's his tactic, but um, it's a weird one. I mean, Bunisar, uh, as well from Marseille for nine million, he's an like an okay player. Uh, I don't really know how he's got a transfer to Bayern Munich, to be fair to you, but as we said, if Bayern sign you, then there's a reason. But uh, let's see, let's see. Um, yeah, Dortmund, I think I made a lot of my points on them in the last in the last podcast, like. Letting Hakimi go to another team, even though I know he was on loan, but you'd presume they had some sort of first refusal and also the, the better relationship with Madrid. I just don't get it. Like, he's perfect for your system. His output was amazing. He was like your third best player after Sancho and Haaland last season. <sighs> I just run out of words, really. Um, and, I, you know, keeping Sancho is amazing. Uh <laughs> But is it going to be, and I hope it's not, and I don't think it will be because I think he's too good and I think he's got the right mentality as opposed to kind of a lot of uh, youngsters. Um, Is he going to be in that second season syndrome or third season syndrome where like you've just missed the big boat to go on the big move um, and you don't play as well the next season? I don't think that's going to happen to Sancho, but you'd be weird to not think of that as a possibility. Like, you know, Players are humans after all, right? Like, look at mm-hmm. Callum hudson Adoy after he signed his contract. I know he got a really horrific injury, but he basically came back and he's not had any output. He's a non-factor right? for Lampard, despite what he says, too. Even, even look at Aubameyang, right? He signed his contract. He hasn't scored since. There's maybe that slight, you know, <laughs> and uh, he will. He will. No one has yeah, scored yeah, more yeah. goals than Aubameyang since he's arrived in the Premier League. And I'm an Arsenal fan. I know he's going to score goals. But you just, maybe when something happens like that where you sign a new contract or you don't get your move you kind of go into into autopilot a little bit and it happens to loads of players and sometimes they take like a month or two before they get back into it but I think you know Jaden Sancho will be fine um and then I guess the weird thing for me with Dortmund is that they usually sell a player every summer is it going to be next summer where they actually see two in Haaland and Sancho go for crazy money um which is that going to take them like kind of three steps back, which is going to be an issue. So for me, I think they should have sold Sancho right at the start of the summer. They should have bought Hakimi and they should have done a few other things um, to kind of, you know, a Ferran Torres would have been great or a Milit Rashica, but they didn't go for either of those guys. Let me ask before, I don't want to talk too much about like who I think was a winner loser, who did what, but I just want to get, you know, your guys' opinions on the markets for um, two of the clubs that sold do top players, um, and that's obviously Leipzig selling Timo Werner mm, yeah. to Chelsea, and then the Bayern, Munich, uh, Bayern Leverkusen, excuse me, selling uh, Kai Havertz to Chelsea as well. Do you think those teams, like, not properly replaced, because I think replacing them is very difficult to do in this market, but did you like the purchase business they did or the attempts they made to kind of replicate that sort of production? Because I'm looking at the, the, so, the ends for these two teams, and it's like I like Patrick Schick. Um, at Leverkusen, mm. I like that move, um, but, but I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. I, I think, think Stoloff is going to score quite a few goals for Leipzig. I was I was going to say so with Leipzig. I think they made their purchases back in January. I know we're talking about this window. I mm. think they had the foresight because they know the way. We all know the way they operate. It's to build up players and eventually sell them. That's just the way the Red Bull clubs work, right? I think the corresponding moves that they made in January, like a Danny Olmo type, they knew they were going to sell a Timo Werner come, come this mm-hmm. window. Right. And I think having the foresight to, to add a guy like Danny Olmo and then also um, keeping an Upa Mancano. I mean, I know we're talking mm-hmm. about sales and purchases just to hold down, hold on to a player yeah. like that is fantastic. And we mm-hmm. saw it again, like this, this kid is phenomenal. And yeah. the Champions League performances that he put in there um, were just were just great. And for me, you know, it's just 
smart business again. It's just one of the more reliable clubs that you could just trust. Whatever they're doing, you just know that. And I and I think for them at the end of the day, um, you know, they they did great because yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I, I don't I th- think there was anything that. I also think Justin Kluivert's uh, on deadline day was another solid addition by Leipzig. I think uh, I wasn't too as I, as things kind of progressed with his time at Roma. I wasn't too convinced that he that was the right spot for him to grow. But overall, I think like to your point, uh, Martino, they do such a great job of establishing you know who is going to be key players for them and ultimately carrying along other players to. Um, raise their game right it's it's something that Nagelsmann I think does a really exceptional job of doing is getting the most out of players that you otherwise wouldn't expect much from that season or that become um, like emerging stars so that's going to be a focus um, as well but um, Martino ready to move on to Serie A <laughs> yes our bread and butter Matt um, while Pet while Pet is just um, researching football index stuff I guess he'll just let us uh, take over this I'm kidding he's not he's not doing that he's paying attention <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah so Matt, obviously, we'll we'll start off with you here. What do, what do you feel comfortable with talking about? I think it's easier to discuss <laughs> the winners of this market. I think mm-hmm. there's clear winners in Serie A opposed to the losers there. I think the losers are also pretty clear. But I think there was more winners than losers, all things considered, yeah. in this league. Um, so we'll just we'll just go with the winners. I th- I think. Safe to say Napoli and Atalanta would be your two? Yeah, I would say um, I like what Atalanta did as far as retaining key players. It's important for a club of their um, stature or at least what they're trying to build to keep the top players and keep this project going forward. Um, you know, keeping Papu Gomez, keeping Duvan Zapata, keeping Gozens, who was really highly sought after for a long time too. Um, they did sell, uh, did sell Castagna to, uh, to Leicester City. But they did come in. They got Mirinchuk. They got Romero from Juventus, who was previously at Genoa. Now, we didn't see him obviously suit up for Juve. But I think he's mm-hmm. got a really bright future, and he's very young. And I think Gasparini will do wonders for him. Uh, Lammers, who we saw on the weekend, he looks very strong. I think 23 years old. He's young. He's got a new opportunity. I think he'll do really well. And he'll be a nice uh, addition to that squad. Uh, if they get Piscina back, too, who was previously linked to a potential return to Milan. So I like the fact that they also... Uh, secured, I believe, in sometime January or sometime in the middle of last season, uh, Mario Pasalic, who yeah. uh, they got 15 or 16 million euro, um, who was scoring goals, getting assists for them. So overall, I think Atalanta are in such a great position to to carry this thing forward. Plus, they sold, they got the money from Kulisevsky, <laughs> which was a big fee, and also Ahmad Traore, who's gone his way to Manchester United. So they keep that 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 cycle going of being able to mm-hmm. scout really well. Yeah. Get acquire players on inexpensive fees, but sell so much to the point where they can replenish and just you'll know, keep that keep that line moving. So I really like what they did, fixed. and then um, even Napoli. I think Napoli yeah. um, they didn't maybe make an abundance of acquisitions, but keeping Koulibaly, who many thought was a formality to be leaving to whether it be City or United, PSG, just to name some of the clubs. They get Victor Osimhen now. There's obviously going to be a lot of expectation with him to deliver. They get Ramani to come in to help show up that back line. And Bakayoko on deadline, though, who many Milan fans wanted them to get uh, and bring into, the, bring into the midfield equation. So I liked what those two clubs did. And then I, I think we still have to give Juve the praise they did, although I don't like the fact that they kind of left that left-back position, uh, that void on, on field. Arthur, young midfielder. They got Kulisevsky, very young player. McKenney's another young midfielder. I think he'll do well. And then they got Chiesa. So... They didn't complete the project per se, but they got out from underneath of Iguain and Matuidi, also Mati Dishio. They loaned mm-hmm. out Douglas Costa. And in the process, they got younger, which I think was a big focus for Juventus fans in this market. So overall, I would say those are probably the top teams. Um, you could talk about Inter with Akini, Vidal, yeah. Kolarov, Alexis Sanchez. Um, and Milan, I think that was maybe not a complete, complete market, although Tonali is a great addition. Brahim, Diaz, Di- Diogo Dallo. Uh, Halger, Kalulu, and Re- and Rebic uh, completing that 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 deal to make it permanent. So there was a lot of activity in Serie A, and I think ultimately the this just kind of furthers the um, what I pretty much believe in that the pack hasn't been deeper than it is now as far as teams competing for top four. Yeah, um, for for me with um, I think Napoli, the only knock you can have on them is not selling Milik in time. 
I think, because yeah. there's a potential that he could uh, leave. Selling Alan was huge, though. I think that was a really good Alan, Alan was huge, but again, you say that, but then there was an offer on the table, 80 million euros from PSG that they had not That's too true, long. That's yeah. true, He didn't yeah. really play that much since. So, I mean, but all in all, they they still did a great job, and they're one of the healthier fi- financially uh, sound teams in the league. For, for me, Juve, to an extent, they did great in, in getting rid of some players, but the Chiesa move is still head-scratching at the end of the day for me. I don't think they really solved that. I think Luca Pellegrini not staying is, is something I can't get on board with. And for me, we'll talk about some of the losers here. I think Lazio is by far the biggest loser. Um, in terms of teams that have Champions League, you know, quality and aspirations to stay up and be a consistent top four team, we looked and saw what happened to them after the COVID break. It was a condensed schedule. This is exactly why they did. They had a poor 2018-2019 season, Matt and, and Pet, was that their condensed schedule playing a lot of competitions. Their squad wasn't that depth, they, uh, deep. They couldn't rotate as often as they would have liked. And we saw what they're, what they're like when Immobile is not in there and what he's like when he's not scoring goals. They have to rely heavily upon um, their midfielders in Milinkovic-Savic, uh, the Carrera, and Luis Alberto's of the world fine quality players, some of the best in the league. But for me, for, for a club who, who's, you know, one of the bigger quote-unquote teams, right, coming from a city like Rome, I, I didn't see enough improvement for me to say, okay, that team's definitely staying in the top four. For me, out of all the teams that finished in the top six, top seven, they're the team that did the least to improve their stock. And, like, the, their big moves are, and I know, Pet, you, you were a fan of the Mercury, but when you're hyping up a Pepe Reina move, I mean, that's not a great look. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, <laughs> what are we truly looking at? Like, Caicedo, I mean, that guy is very inconsistent. And at times, we could say his best matches are coming against the Genoas of the world. Like, I, I, like that's fine when that happens. But what's going to happen when a Immobile goes down? Because he just got a red card. He's going to be missing the next match. What are they going to do? Are they going to be able to get the three points there? And what happens when the Champions League competition starts? Like, how are they going to be able to do this? There's all these international breaks and competitions that they're going to have to be ready for that these players are going to be in. For me, I'm, I'm out on them. And I've said I'm adamant that they're not finishing in the top four. And what they were doing, getting that draw against Inter over the weekend, is more indicative of where Inter is in a mentality of, of finally getting over the hump to win the league than it is about Lazio grinding out a draw. And, and, I'll, and I'll stick by that. And I think Roma salvaged a lot of what happened at the end of the window. Um, they're still not majorly improved, in my opinion. I think the striker situation with Jekos is still a little suspect mm-hmm. um, because you can only depend on that guy so, so much. And the creativity there with a lot of the midfielders isn't as great. I think Pedro's like an okay move in terms of, you know, getting that veteran leadership there for them. But... For me, I think they needed to get El Sharawi in. I think they getting loaning Under, yeah. who was up and down the past couple seasons, um, and and does have ability, but the fact that they let him go, and they also you know, Diego Perotti went to Fenerbahce, and not getting El Sharawi, who was publicly disappointed to not make that return because obviously he's trying to uh, compete for an uh, an opportunity to make Mancini's Euro roster. I think it, it Roma. It seems to me is that it was incomplete market. I think. Kumbula helps, no doubt. You know, Lazio wanted him, Inter wanted him. And the fact that they got one of the more sought-after young defenders in, in Serie A, that's a solid move there. Chris Smalling, it took them such a long time to get that done. I was kind of surprised because they were pretty much battling against themselves. They get that done as well. <laughs> yeah, there was a um, huge overall, market think, for Chris Smalling. Yeah, it was, like, really the thing tough is, for them though, to is get that, that like, if you're, like, <laughs> it, It's important because they've been having such a revolving door out the back, and then the goalkeeping – the area for them has, has also been a huge weakness. So getting them to, I think was probably the biggest, um, you know, plus for them in the market. But I agree with you, Martino, the, uh, some of these teams, I think like Roma, like Lazio, they didn't really have like a complete market where you, you could kind of look at what they didn't say. All right. Like I can see where they're going with this. I can see where they can project to be to come the end of the season. But at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to the performances. I think the yeah. biggest thing for Roma that they didn't have last year was staying healthy. If they can stay healthy, 
then there's a whole nother conversation. They had a half a season of Zaniolo. They got lucky with the COVID break that, you know, things went out normally. They they had so many injuries in the the first part of the season, though. Like, I understand what you're saying. Having Zaniolo, I don't – like, for me, Zaniolo was – everything for them and to have yeah. him come back yeah, and I, put I in some good performances i know what you're saying you're you're right it, it's it's always an injury history with them you can just look at their acl numbers pat i know yeah. you're a big stats guy there's no, there hasn't been a team <laughs> that has more torn acls and for me it's just you can't overcome the zaniolo injury i i don't i don't see how they do that because a lot of it was to where they finished at the end of the year was because they had such a great start and for me, there's just not something great. Um, Pat, anything on Serie A that you thought caught your eye um, besides the usual suspects or, you know, pretty um, much what we were talking about? I think kind of what you guys were talking about. I really like the Marantzok move to Atalanta. Obviously, they've sold really well, as they always do, as we, we coined them the... Um, or, you know, the Italian Lille, or we call in Lille the French Atalanta. Um, but I think Victor Osman's a good signing as well. You know, um, I think Napoli keeping Koulibaly, adding him, they look like a real, real force going forward, especially. And if you keep a guy like Koulibaly, then, you know, um, you've got that kind of defensive store as well. I think they'll be good. Um, Atalanta, as I mentioned. Uh, You're a fan of the Bakayoko yeah. signing? He's a different type of midfielder yeah. than Napoli's accustomed to. I am. I am like when you lose a guy like Allen, who is very yeah. much a combative midfielder, you need to replace that. And they've replaced that with someone younger. And I think who's probably been better than Allen in the last like 12 to 18 months. Is that fair in saying guys from what you've seen? In what, Milan? What, when, when he was at Milan, he definitely outplayed what Allen was doing, but uh, yeah. granted there was a lot of the issues with the transfer. That was the year with the PSG um, yeah. potential transfer, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. So they've kind of, upgraded in a weird way there um i mean looking at other places in the league you know juventus have done a few interesting things um fiorentina too i thought did yeah i mean uh getting jack to help with that midfield as well they're going to get the the money from chiesa you know yeah for chiesa um where i think in my opinion Mm. i think calion can do nearly as much as Chiesa did in terms of production at least but yeah. I think it's yeah. Fiorentina they're going to be a team that you're seeing the ambition from Rocco Camiso but I think they just need someone more stable at the post to help bring that yeah, sort yeah, of project Kane to life because but keeping but look, look, look what they did though they kept Milenkovic um they many people thought they should have got a striker and I agree with that but if you look at their their, their squad the yeah. midfield has Castrovilli it has Amrabat it has there's some balance to that team and I just think they're really lacking the coaching aspect. So them confirming Iacchini instead of getting a, a different coach, maybe like a Spalletti type, I think yeah. is something that, you know, when you look at their market, is something that you could put on as a blemish. For, for, I want for to rule out that Spalletti signing because there has been links and contacts with that. And also, mm-hmm. they, I think they, it's imperative that they do re-sign a Milinkovic or extend his contract. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's only two years left, and it's pretty obvious that um, there's some clubs that are interested in him, and he has signaled that he is not interested in saying. Any last thoughts on Serie before we move on? Uh, finish last up? one, yeah. shout out to Palmer signing William Ciprian for yeah, a very, 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 very low fee um, on deadline day or the day before deadline day. I think it was like 2 million euros or something really weird like that. I don't know what happened there. Like, I really don't know what happened mm. there, but he... At one point, about 18 months ago, was one of Nice's better players. 12 to 18 months ago, he was like one of their better players. So uh, keep an eye out for him. I think, you know, there's pretty much very zero risk with him at that price. All right. To wrap up the show, from our bread and butter to Pets, Fish and Chips, the <laughs> Premier League. You like that? I don't know. I just thought it on the spot. Yeah. Um, so... Premier League, as always, is is so fascinating and interesting. And, you know, it's always fun to see because it is the only league in the entire world um, outside of like some American sports where they obviously have the salary cap and the TV deals are so massive that, you know, smaller markets are able to spend a lot of money. The Premier League in football is the only league that you could see a West Ham or an Aston Villa just start splashing cash. Those are just two (laughs) names off the top of my head, right? So, <clears throat> for me, or actually, we'll just go with Pep because this is your league. 
what who who are your winners and losers for this? Because I think I think it's kind of you know there's a lot of options to choose from. I mean, the the, the key loser here is Man United. Um, <laughs> I like abs- it for, for <laughs> uh, absolutely no no doubt about it. You know what they did in this transfer market was despicable. Uh, like it was really 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 bad to not get Jaden Sancho. I know they needed a centre back and I know they needed an X player and a Y player, but. I think I said it to you guys, when a player that good becomes available or wants to come to you, you stump up money. And like, I just don't get what United were playing at there. I don't no get... competition for him either. No, and next season there will like be. He was just Man United. <laughs> oh, Ronan... He was destined for them. Like no one else was kind of, there was no competing for Sancho. It was like, oh, United this, United that. Like it's just, a, it was a matter of not coming up with the money. It's fu- like, that's another question you guys should mention that. It's funny you guys should mention that because Ronan Murphy is saying that Liverpool and Bayern Munich are already ahead of Man United. I, I doubt he'll go to Bayern Munich. I really doubt I, I doubt that Munich. as well. But I think just... if we're going to look at a broad leagues next season, I would bet my money on Spain being a more likely outcome. Um, you think Real Madrid? Potentially. Or it depends what PSG do. If one of Neymar and Mbappe goes, we'll see. But yeah. I, I doubt, you know, I think mm-hmm. Bayern Munich have set this all out with Komen and Nabry and, um, uh, and Sane there. I think they don't really need any more wingers. But who knows, you know, they tried to buy Callum Hudson-Noy for, what, £70 million pounds on Deadpool <laughs> or whatever it was. So, it's crazy. Um, I mean, key, key winner for me, winners. I mean, uh, Everton have done some really good business. I mean, I criticised them maybe four weeks ago with some of the moves they made that I think they were short-sighted. But if I look at also uh, bringing Robin Olsen in um, and also bringing in uh, Ben Godfrey in really late uh, from Norwich for about £20 million, I think those are two signings that really give them strength and depth. Um, and I think, you know, we've already seen the impact that Hammers has had. We've already seen the impact that the likes of Yerry Mina have had, even though he was bought, uh, you know, earlier in the year. Um, I think they've done some really good business, you know, Hammers for free. And he's already been the biggest creator so far in the Premier League. It's just like easy work for them, isn't it? You know, um, uh, Decore as well, a good signing. Um, so, so we'll see where they go. I mean, obviously, Moise Keane hasn't really worked out uh, for them. He's gone to PSG. Theo Walcott also going to uh, Southampton. I, I think he was probably on, on quite big wages. Um, other winners, I think, you know, you mentioned Leicester spending a lot of money. I do actually kind of like what they've done, though. They would have loved to probably get another striker in the door. But I think a guy like Fafana is... Um, is on the kind of Saliba level of being rated as a really, really high uh, centre-back prospect. Um, And we'll see how he adapts, but he is a monster in the air. Like I've watched a couple of St. Etienne games and he just wins everything. It's really, really, really scary. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, Harry Maguire level uh, in the air, but like a better at centre-back, like better at actual football and defending. Um, so we'll see how he does um, there. You know, we were discussing um, Genghis Under, whether or not he can stay healthy. But if he does stay healthy, another decent option for them. Um, and then uh, Castagne as well. He's started his Premier League career really well. I also like what Villa have done. Uh, you know, keeping Jack Grealish was absolutely massive. When Villa stayed up last season, it always felt like they were, that's what they needed to do. Uh, like when they were coming for the championship to the Premier League, they just about made it into the Premier League. And you were like, okay, now that they're in the Premier League, as long as they can stay there, they'll stay in the next season. And they just about stayed in. And now they're kicking on, you know, um, keeping Jack Grealish is massive. Ollie Watkins was a huge fee. I mean, I said to you guys, you know, 33 million pounds for a guy that's just been in the championship. And now how much he scores. If he scores 20 Premier League goals this season or 15, 18 Premier League goals in the season, you kind of tip your hat to them and you say, well, you paid the money, but you've got the output. Um, as I mentioned, keeping Gretchen Jack Grealish was amazing. Uh, getting Ross Barkley on loan. I think that midfield looks pretty frightening now. Um, and I just overall, I think they've done pretty good business. Um, Brighton as well have made some good moves. Uh, and begrudgingly, I'll have to mention Spurs as well. Uh, I know they didn't get a centre-back over the line. If they got a centre-back over the line, I would have probably picked them as one of the, one of the better um, teams as well. But um, Gareth Bale, I think, I mentioned to you guys, he'll have that kind of Zlatan effect in when he turns up to training, you can't be shit yeah, anymore, yeah. right? You've got a it's guy like who's won four Champions Leagues. When you get yeah. a player like that back in. 
like yeah, he's a, I, he's I a Spurs legend. Like he's one of Spurs top 10 ever players. Like he's won four Champions Leagues. Like you look over him at him in training and if he's training well, you're going to train well. You, you see the effect that Zlatan had on guys like Hakan Chanoglu and, and guys that were really underperforming at Milan, you know, like mm-hmm. Martino would curse Hakan every other minute. Um, Zatan comes in and you, you, you kind of have that aura the, that amps everyone up and I think Bale's going to I hope I'm wrong but I think he's going to have that effect on Spurs um, and <laughs> if he can if you look over the fence and look at him buying into Mourinho's tactics and stuff and look at Harry Kane then the rest of the squad will follow those are your leaders um, <sighs> trying to think of a last shout out to Palace as well I think uh, Eze was a really good signing um, you know Zaha stays for another year I think they'll they'll be pretty solid again uh, main losers Manu I think they were awful uh, Fulham as well mm-hmm. Jesus Christ they are going to come the bottom and they just panic <laughs> they just panic signed it reminded me of when we sold um, when we lost 8-2 to uh, Manu and we just signed like Mertesacker Ben Ayun, Arteta Ooh. on the last day of Windows Fulham did kind of the similar thing, but like with worse players and they're still going to come bottom. So yeah, those two are big losers. I think West Brom probably didn't make enough additions either, but again, I don't think they're going to um, stay up either. I think for, uh, you know, I, I agree pretty much with everything you're saying here, Pat. I, I did like what, what Spurs did overall. I, as you mentioned, not getting another central defender after losing um, from Tongan was, was pretty big, but, you know, getting Reguilón in there, Getting Dar yeah. already, you know, Hoiberg, uh, Vinicius, they needed another central forward. Obviously, we saw what they were dealing with last year, playing guys like Lucas Mora and Dele Ali as false nines, just not traditional number nines. They, so they, the fact that they got um, uh, another player in there to help him uh, will be huge. Gareth Bale is a big one that, that has so much potential to be such a needle mover for, for Spurs. Um, and just the fact that they expanded their depth, which they had an issue with last year because of all the injuries compiling. Um, so I think overall Spurs had a pretty good market. Um, what, did, what did you think of what Leeds did? did? Because so far Leeds have been a team that's done pretty well. Um, I like, you know, I like the Rafinha move. Played. I was I just like about to say that move. one too. I like the Rafinha move and I even like Rodrigo. I, I mean, you yeah. can even look at you know, guys like Jack Harrison and who mm. did really well in, in, in the game against Liverpool to start the season. So, you know, I think overall they didn't maybe spend, you know, on the, these 50, 60 million you know, pound players. But, you know, Rodrigo will definitely help them from Valencia. Uh, you know, Helder Costa from Wolves. And then, of course, Rafinha is going to be probably the one that many people keep an eye on the most. I wish they signed he, a Paul. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. That you was know, what like, I was really hoping to. I was going to say, like, I really like the Rafinha signing. But I really do think that the Paul would have been that kind of, and I said it to, I had a um, Leeds fan on my uh, Football Index podcast a couple of weeks back. And I said, whatever the money, if you get, if you can sign a player that automatically becomes the best player in your squad, you kind of do it. Like, I, I, I do think that Arsenal regret massively in hindsight signing Meza Ozil. But at the time, you signed a guy that was better than everyone in your team. Hamas Rodriguez this summer for Everton. Whatever it was, however much they're paying him a week, he is the best player at Everton now by quite a distance. I think that would have had that effect. I think a guy like Rafinha, he's a bit younger. Um, he's um, he's obviously more of like a wide forward, um, whereas DePaul, you could have played him in like that advanced 8, 10 or inside forward role. So there's more flexibility with that player. I think he is really good though. Rafinha like he he is going to surprise a lot of players and uh, a lot of people um but then you know Mar- Marcelo Bielsa is a very peculiar guy and a very particular coach and he has to he has to buy in to uh his principles and the way that he plays and and that's it's a very specific way of playing football yeah um listen I I know I know we weren't a fan of what they did in certain areas of the market but Chelsea's got to be um Right up there because we, we we didn't just mention yeah at all. Um, they do deserve uh, the credit for all the purchases and additions mm-hmm. that they made this summer. Whether or not um, the defensive signings were underwhelming, I do think they were at the end of the day. Um, because if you can only hang your hat on uh, Thiago Silva at his age in this league, considering the way the play mm-hmm. style goes, it's probably not the greatest thing. Um, and you know what, look, you, you add all that talent, you, you definitely get credit for it, but some people call on it like the best ever window. 
Um, it's <laughs> kind of based it's on kinda, where they perform. Like if they don't perform, like it, we probably the reason why yeah. we didn't talk about Chelsea so much is that because they got a lot of their business done pretty early. And I know that mm. you've been we're, we're adamant. You were going on and on and on about <laughs> Chelsea. You're like they got like five to six players here, but you're like they still need another midfielder. They still need like a, two central defenders. So yep. like it still feels this, that despite the money they spent. Werner, Ziyech, Havertz, like all these players, that it still feels like somewhat of an incomplete market. Would you agree? Yeah, well, I mean, look, if, if I said to you, um, if you were a Chelsea fan and I said, look, your defence is clearly the weakest part of your team currently. The spine of Chelsea is just not right at the moment for me. If you look about the, the Conte teams uh, and if you look at the Mourinho second era where he had Matic, Fabregas, Diego Costa, Terry, um, uh, Louise uh, and Courtois as the kind of spine, um, or Cahill even, uh, you know, who, who was who was still there knocking around. Um, I just look at it and I'm like, if your only centre back signing is a 35 year old Thiago Silva on those wages, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really know, even with the amount of firepower they've got, how far this Chelsea team goes. I think they're going to be battling for top four. And I think if you offer them fourth right now, they, they'd bite your hands off. I really do think they will. Because um, I think the top two are kind of solidified. Third, fourth are the ones up for grabs. And you've got essentially four teams competing for them. And then maybe Everton if they do really well. Um, they don't burn uh, down Hamas. If they don't burn down, you know, you know him and uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, uh, <laughs> predominantly, and Richarlison, who's, who's already kind of had a few niggles. Um, I, I just find it really hard to be bullish on Chelsea because it feels like they've had an opportunistic, opportunistic window rather than one that fills the voids that they need. You know, Timo Werner is a fantastic signing. He's a fantastic striker and Chelsea needed one of those. They need to work out where he's going to fit in and how you can best utilize it. Havertz is amazing. Like, I don't like using the word generational. I'm not even sure if he is, but he is no. like a top five under 21 player, right? Sure. I think I think he's in what? that tier below the generation because yeah. generational yeah. for me is like a Sancho and Mbappe. Sure, sure. And you can't, what? and obviously no one can actually. They can't be too many of them. Is on that level. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there can't be too many of them, otherwise it saturates it. But, you know, he is, for me, top five under 21 players in the world. You know, I think, I think Sancho, Mbappe, Haaland, him, um, and then you can kind of throw in a few others. That I put in Donnarumma just because I, <laughs> I know you have... No, I don't Because of the position. It's just the position. I get it, but... There's not even someone even remotely close. At his no, I don't. I don't argue with that. I think he's, you know, he's he's going to be the best goalkeeper in the world for for years to come when he when he peaks. But um, back to Havertz, I kind of look at it and I'm yeah. like, well, where exactly is he going to play? They've used him up front. They used him at ten, and they've used him out wide. And he's not really looked amazing apart from the League Cup appearance against Barnsley, which, in all due yes. respect, who are Barnsley, right? Um, so yeah. if, you know, and then you've got Zia coming in as well. You've kept Dami Abraham. You've kept Giroud. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi didn't go in the Mason end. Mason Mount so... can't get these minutes. I mean, look, I mean, Mason Mount, he's loved by Lampard. Then he, you know, to, to give him credit, some That's credit. That's cool. Marcello Lippi in the Premier League loved so uh, Christian Zaccardo. So, I mean. But, but what I'm saying is like, minute, so. if, he, if he likes Mount that much and he, he's going to eat up some of the minutes of, of these other guys, then... I don't know. It, it seems like a really weirdly compiled squad. It feels like what you do on Football Manager in like your yeah. third season after you get kind of bored and you've got loads of money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's no, a weird comparison, know, but like... And we said this months ago with the Mount situation. We I think we've been... And I know Mount is just someone easy to pick on, but just in general, I think you're right. The ta- they're just on paper. It's It's great, but at the end of the day they need to put together a fully functioning football team. And I don't think they're at the level that a lot of the people think they're at. I think they're still clearly missing it. And I mean, who knows? I just, at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. Um, the matches have to be played. Teams need to perform. I do think Arsenal had a pretty solid window. I know it's difficult for you to um, <laughs> look at it without, without mm-hmm. your glasses on. I know people are going to shut up shit about you for it. But look, at the end of the day, the easiest way to look at clubs' transfer windows are, are they better at the end of the window than they were at the start of the window? And I think there's quite a few teams that could say that. Um, 
and, and considering the money that they invest in it. So anything else we want to say before we wrap up because we're a little over an hour now? Um, I think Arsenal should have sold more players. Yeah, uh, but it's difficult though at the end of the day. <laughs> it's, it's hard, it, it is hard. The easiest way and best way to look at it, Pet, and this is for anyone else upset about their teams not selling a lot of players, everyone in yeah. this whole world was not able to sell as many players as they would have liked. And so, that's why there was an oversupply. So you had some of those prices that were crazy, like Mark Rocker and William Sitbrand, you know? Everyone wanted to sell, not yeah. that many buyers, right? And you end up selling yeah. players for pennies on the dollar. Lots of, lots of loan deals. People were complaining yeah. about loan deals. But hey, if Bayern Munich is getting guys on loan, then it's probably not the worst thing in the world. But also, I, I think I made the point on today on Twitter, you know, like uh, loaning out to Aaron Guendouzi saves you 5 million this year or 6 yeah. million this year, you know? Like, it's not nothing. Right, that's the financial 10, sheets are different. That's ten percent of the camera. you know party money, right? So uh, yep. let's see. Yep. Um, all right. Well, so that'll wrap up that um, for this episode, episode sixty. It's really just been a fun ride during this whole um, uh, COVID thing, as best as we could make it as fun, right? <laughs> because we've had so many episodes, so many great guests, and we're going to still continue to do that. Um, thanks again for getting us over forty thousand downloads on all platforms. Episode 60. I mean, just, you know, it's just another great accomplishment. I'm almost coming up a full year here now on the State of Play podcast because <laughs> I came around sometime in time October. Time flies. Uh, time does fly. Um, obviously, you got to follow us everywhere, State of Play podcast on, on Twitter. Uh, follow us on Instagram. There's a Facebook page to like us up on the YouTube channel. Obviously, we have those three episodes of the Lightboard series. Um, yeah, give us five-star ratings. Subscribe to us everywhere. Like up, please retweet, give us your comments on the episodes and all that. Um, so guys, plug your social media. We'll go with you, Matt. Sure. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. As Martino mentioned, make sure you guys are supporting us on all platforms, on Instagram, on Facebook, as well as Twitter. We thank you guys for the uh, continuous support. 40,000 downloads is a great achievement for us, especially as we approach um, and you know, move beyond episode 60. And if there's any other guests or any sort of content you wish for us to cover, please make sure you guys let us know on Twitter. That's where we probably will check the most, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, Pet? You can follow me at Pet Berisha, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. Um, mostly talking about how much I hate as a Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to I allude to anything else because uh, that chat that Roberto Rojas uh, had, uh, you put, you put in... Uh, your sentiments towards uh, the whole story around him, but you can follow me on Twitter. Maybe went a bit too hard. <laughs> just, just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, you can follow me at Martino Puccio on Twitter. Um, yeah. Um, I guess we should also probably mention a, a big thank you to the athletic that w- sponsored us over the past uh, few months. We really appreciate um, every, every door that they opened for us and all the listeners that have hopped on and, and subscribed through them um we truly appreciate it we look to bring you know a lot more great um stuff in the future in terms of sponsorship advertisement whatever we can do to help grow this podcast and we can't do it without everyone that listens every single episode and that gives us feedback because i could speak for uh the fellas here and saying that we truly appreciate it and we really um couldn't be more have more gratitude towards everybody i think i think i could say that uh certainly true um but for now we just listen to someone